Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so that you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McKay. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. Let's take a moment and just remember those three most critical days that have ever transpired in the history of humanity, when the cosmos stood on its side, when literally heaven stood and, and watched and at the edge of heaven and earth as Jesus finished out these three days. On that Friday, they came and they got Jesus the night before. And on that Friday, they falsely accused him. They had a mock court, if you will. And the Roman uh, leader in charge, Pilate, stood before the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders, and he says, listen, I don't find anything wrong with this man. And they said, we don't care. We want him dead. And so to appease them, he took Jesus, and he had him tied up, tied to a pole, and then they took a cat of nine tails, which was a, was a whip that had three whips on the, uh, excuse me, nine whips on the end of it, and at the end of each one of those straps had a piece of metal. And they would whip that into a prisoner's back or into, a, into a, a, a condemned person's back. And those shreds of metal would stick into their flesh and then they would shred them. And they'd start at the back of the neck and work all the way down just above their backside. And they would shred that person's back. Most men didn't survive it. Most of them dead in the, uh, died in the process of this whole being beat like this. When Jesus was done with that, they then took him, the Roman guards took him in the praetorium, kind of like their barracks. And then they put a, 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 a robe on him and, and, and a crown of thorns. They beat it into his head and they began to mock him. Hell, king of the Jews. He didn't say a word to him. He didn't fight back. Can you imagine the king of glory? God in the flesh. God in human form. At any moment, he could have said, enough. And they had fried every one of them, but he didn't. And then they took that cross beam. They laid it across his shoulders. And they led him up the hill of Golgotha. And he got... Pretty close until they had to get Simon to help him carry it up. And when they got him to the top of that hill, they laid that cross beam across the other beam. And they laid Jesus on it. And that's when they took those nails, those infamous nails. They began to nail them into his hands. Into his feet. My Jesus didn't complain. He didn't stop the process. He took it. And they raised that cross up and dropped it down in that hole. And there lay Jesus stretched out on a cross, naked in front of everyone, humiliated. For hours, as his heart pumped the blood that was leaking out of his body everywhere. Some of the last things that he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine that? Forgive them. The soldiers are mocking him. As the Jewish leaders that have riled up everybody or spitting and cursing, making fun of him, telling jokes about him right there. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And as he breathed his last breath, the Bible says that it grew dark on the earth, that the earthquakes began to happen. The ground shook. And in the temple, that curtain that separated God and his presence from the people was rent from top to bottom, making a way to the Father. They took his body down that night. And they put him in a tomb. And they rolled a giant stone in front of that tomb and sealed it. And Jesus, as the Bible talks about, then went in Saturday down into the gates of hell, down into the pits of the depths of hell and Hades. And he defeated sickness and the grave. 
and he defeated death. And that Sunday morning, he resurrected to newness of life. He is our resurrected king. In fact, in the book of Luke, as some of his disciples, some of the ladies that had followed him, decided they wanted to go to the tomb in hopes that maybe something had happened, in hopes that maybe they could, they could refresh his body because they had just thrown it in the tomb pretty quickly. And, 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 they, and they brought spices and things like that. When they got to the tomb, the stone was rolled away. And so they went inside and there they saw angels. And look what the angel said to them in Luke chapter 24 and verse 5. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He, has, he is not here. He has risen. Why are you looking in this empty tomb for the one who did just what he said he was going to do? He is risen. There is nothing here but an empty tomb. And it's with that. I want to jump into my message today. I've titled this if you will, redeemed from the empty way. Jesus emptied out that tomb and he wanted to empty out our life of emptiness. He wanted to fulfill life for humanity instead of giving them an empty way of living, which is what we had lived up until that point. You know, a few Christmases ago, some of you maybe heard me tell this story. I don't tell it much because I'm kind of I'm kind of ashamed about it. I'm kind of confessing right now, if you will. Uh, I was it was Christmas, and that year I had wanted a new laptop. My laptop had gotten old. I think it was like eight years old, and I I wanted a new MacBook Pro if I could get one. And and I uh, went through the different Christmas parties, and and I didn't end up with one. And it was Christmas Eve, and that night I was over at Walmart getting gas in my car when a man walked up to me. He said, "Excuse me, sir." He said, uh, I don't mean to bother you. I'm a, an employee of FedEx. And uh, there was an overshipment of Apple products. And so FedEx let the employees purchase them at a grandiose discount. And, uh, and I'm just trying to make some extra Christmas money by selling them at a great discount for anybody that might would want them. And, uh, and I said, Apple products? And now you've got to understand, I grew up in the hood. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I can sniff out somebody who's got, you know, who's, who's a shyster or something. And, and so I, I'm looking at him. He goes, no, look right here. And he opened his trunk. And guys, down in his trunk, he had brand new boxes, completely sealed, completely, you know, saran wrapped like they're supposed to be. A brand new MacBook Pros, uh, I, uh, iPhones, uh, some of the tablets and things like that. And I started getting excited. I was like, this is what I've been praying for. Jesus brought me a miracle right here at Walmart. In the, in, right in the evening time like this. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. And, uh, and he goes, listen, he goes, sir, I've been selling these, these MacBook Pros for $400. You know, that's half of what they're worth, what, they, what they're, they go for. He goes, but you know what? I need the money so bad because I need to go buy a Christmas present for my niece. Um, he said, uh, I'll sell it to you right now for $200. I said, bro, bro, that's crazy. I said, okay. I said, but I don't have $200 on me. I got it at my house in cash. I said, I can go get it and come back. I said, but will you still be here? He goes, look, we're going to run over to this little uh, fast food uh, restaurant over here. And we'll, and, and about 45 minutes, once you come meet us there in the parking lot, I said, let's do it. So I jump in my car, I head back, I get my cash. I go running up there to that, to that fast food restaurant. We're in the parking lot, the lights, you know, it's dark at this point. So all the, all the lights are on in the parking lot. And I walk up to him and he's there and I, I give him the cash and he gives me the box. And I mean, it's sealed. It's got the little stamps of approval on it and he drives off and I get in my car and I open it up guys and I'm telling you I was so excited and when I opened it up it was empty just like this box is right here I was so mad at first I was so at first I was humiliated right I was like you got to be kidding me that I'm so stupid that I did this and then I was angry I was like dude I'm gonna how do I get this guy I didn't take any pictures of his license plate nothing like that and then as it settled in the thing that hit me the most was how foolish I was. 
I could have been killed. I, I, I was so greedy and I was so desirous to take a shortcut that I took a, a way that was empty. I want you to look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Peter speaks of this emptiness. He says it like this in verse 18. He says, For you know that it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Peter is speaking to New Testament Christians. This is somewhere around 60 A.D., 61, 62 A.D. So this is 60 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And so these Christians that he's speaking to, they, they probably weren't there. Uh, they, more than likely, none of them had um, seen Jesus in the 40 days He appeared after He resurrected to different ones of them, hundreds He appeared to. And so Peter is reminding them. In fact, if you look back in verse 14, he actually says, Listen, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had <coughs> when you lived in ignorance. So he's saying, listen, Christians, I know sometimes you want to go back to your old empty ways. He goes, but don't do it. And he reminds them why. He says, because Jesus bought and paid for you. In fact, what Jesus did was he made a way so that our empty way of life would no longer destroy us. Guys, I don't know about you, but I've been empty in times past. Some of you are empty right now. And all the things that you put your hope into, all the things that you were, you were expecting to happen at this point, they didn't happen and now you feel empty. I've been there. I know what it's like. Some of you have never asked Jesus into your life and so you live in that empty way. Back to verse 18. He says, For you know that it wasn't with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty empty way of life. See, this world of sin, this world that's been handed down to us, this lifestyle that most of us live in, it's an empty lifestyle. And Jesus came to redeem us from that. And He didn't redeem us by giving money or silver or gold, as Peter says it. He gave His life, His own blood, the precious blood of the Lamb, paid for that ability for us not to live a worthless, empty way of living on this planet. I don't know about you, but there have been some times over these last couple weeks dealing with this COVID-19 thing and being, you know, reflecting a lot that I realize some of the things that I still do, some of the things that I still think are important, they're empty. I think about the passion that I put into some of my sports teams that I like so much. It's empty. It doesn't matter right now. I think about what I, what, I, what I wanted so much financially, what I wanted to spend money on, the things I had to have even three, four months ago, they just don't matter anymore because at the end of it, those things are empty. I think about the sin that I used to so enjoy. It was so empty. At the end of it all, it was empty. And I want to give you the reasons why we keep going back to empty, sinful ways, why we live in empty ways, some of us, and have never changed. Let me give you a couple of reasons why. Number one, it's what we know. That's what we know. Peter said it like this, is the way that was handed down to us by our forefathers. So we live for pleasure because, because that's all we know. Uh, perversion is exciting to us because that's all we know. Um, uh, some of us are still prejudiced because, because our parents were prejudiced, because the people around us that we grew up with were prejudiced. It's all we know. It's not, even, it's not even a choice that we make. It's just all we know. Here's a second reason why some of us live and keep going back to that empty way of life. And that is because we don't know how valuable we are. We don't know how valuable we are. Guys, 
Jesus died on the cross for you. For you. The most precious commodity of heaven. One ounce of the blood of Jesus. More valuable than all the riches on this earth. It was spilt for you. You are the value of heaven. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. You are valuable. I know sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't think you're valuable. And I know sometimes you make mistakes and you think, I'm worthless. But to Jesus, the King of glory, you are so valuable that He died for you. He redeems you. That word redeem that Peter uses in this passage that we just read in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, that word redeem was a term that they would use in reference to slavery. See, when the Romans conquered most of the known world and in this season that the Christians are living in and the people of God in this early church moment, most people were slaves in those days because of financial ruin. They had gotten in difficulty because why? Because this group conquered this group and now all of their land and property they don't have it anymore. And then people would get in debt. They would do business deals and they would, they would, uh, they would you know, borrow from this group or from this individual. And when they couldn't pay back their debt, they would have to become enslaved to those people and work their debt off until it was paid back. Most of them never could do it, so they would live in slavery, if you will. And so the word redeem was a word that was used whenever someone who had great resources would take a person who had gotten in trouble and had become enslaved and go and buy them back and set them free from the enslavement because of their bad choices, because of their business failures. In our life, in the world in which we live, if we make some bad business ventures or something like this, our credit score goes down. But in their world, in their time, they became enslaved. And you don't understand. When Peter says you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus, Jesus looked at you and said, you are so valuable, I'll spend whatever I have to spend to have you. Here's the third reason why many of us continue to live in that empty way or go back to it even as Christians, and that is because we're blinded by its futility. Blinded by its futility, we don't realize that the end of this way is death. That when we open the box, there's really nothing in it. The thing that we're passionate about, the things we're chasing after, the sin that we enjoy so much, it's really futile. At the end of it, it's worthless. It's empty. Recently on our local news, they were doing a, a report about one of the bar owners. And uh, they were interviewing this man, and this man was angry. He said, I put 10 years of my life into this bar. I put 10 years of my ever, every bit of my money, every bit of my attention, every bit of it I put into this thing. And now people can't come to my bar. You've isolated everybody. You said everybody has to be quarantined. And he was angry. He said, I'm angry. He looked into the camera and said, I'm angry. And as soon as he said it, I thought, empty. He's put his whole life into something that at the end of it all is empty. In the moment that it's taken away, he's empty. So he's angry. Some of you are angry because the things you put your heart into, they really are empty. Some of the things that you valued, they were empty. Some of the sin that you've, that you've so been known by, it's been your reputation, you find that it's empty. And you're looking up and you're going, what is life really all about? I'll tell you, the fulfillment of what Christ did. The angel said, why are you looking for something here? It's empty. He did what He said He was going to do. Accept Him, follow Him in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Recently, 
I had the privilege of being at a funeral for a great man, Brother Nelson. His daughter and, and son-in-law are pastors in our church. He had been a minister for many years. His grandkids are in our church and his great-grandkids are in our church. And so I had the privilege of being at the funeral. And there at that funeral, I saw three generations of his family worshiping God, declaring God's goodness, every one of them serving Jesus, even down to the great-grandkids, the little small ones, worshiping God as we worship God at his funeral. And as I stood there, I looked across the whole audience of people, and I realized this man lived a life that was full. <laughs> he, uh, he never made it on American Idol. Most of you don't even know his name. He never pastored thousands of people. He didn't have millions of followers on social media. I bet he never even made six figures. What he did was lived every day for Jesus. And it was the most fulfilling life of anyone I've ever seen in all my years. Because his kids, his grandkids, and his great-grandkids wanted everything that he had. See, friend, life is empty if it's not lived for Christ. Life is worthless if it doesn't bring you to a place of fulfillment in Him. And at the end of it all, when we stand before the Father, we'll look into His eyes, and what we did on this earth and how we lived will then be exposed. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we won't have gone back to the empty ways. I want to take a moment, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind. There's a precious, amazing woman of God in our church, Miss Dorothy, and she's phenomenal. And I think her story really fits for what we're talking about right here. I want you to watch this for just a moment. My name is Dorothy Wynn, and I've been going to Church on the Hill for five years now, a little bit over five years. Um, I was a healthcare chaplain. The, the company that uh, that I worked for, um, they acquisitioned out to another company after uh, many efforts of trying to find a job um, in, in that field. Um, I was just forced to go into early retirement. I was already a corporate level employee making corporate level lifestyle money, but I had the nice car, I had the nice apartment, I had, uh, I could go and buy whatever I wanted, anytime I wanted. I didn't have peace. I was always concerned about, you know, if I was doing enough to keep what I had. And it went drastically from that to a third of what I was making. So therefore, my living situation came into jeopardy. Uh, my car came into jeopardy. Um, just about everything that I had was in jeopardy. And so I lost my, I lost my apartment. Well, my first thought was, God, what did I do wrong? What was it that I did to cause you to take everything from me? That was my first thought. Then I uh, 
got a job at a daycare, at the church daycare. My daily routine was there was a nursing home that was down the street from the church. At night, that's where I would park my car in the parking lot. In the nursing home, I would park in the same spot, and that's where I slept. And a man who worked at the church, which I had seen coming there every day, uh, he stopped one day and uh, he asked me, he says, well, where do you live? And I graciously turned and showed him my back seat of my car. And then while I was working at the daycare, I met a family that came in and that was just an instant connection uh, with me and that family. Uh, shortly after that, shortly after I met this family, they decided that they were gonna move out of Dallas and they were gonna move to the country. They asked me if, they, if I would, wanted to move with them. I could not believe that they just wanted to take care of me because I was a part of their family. That was their statement. You are a part of our family. I'm talking about a family where there's peace and there's harmony because I didn't have that in my life ever. I'm brought to tears, not sadness, but tears of joy because he is so good and I don't feel worthy of that. It just brings me to tears to think about how much he cares for me. In serving God through all of my ups and downs, he has proven to me that no matter how far down I get, He yet loves me. He yet has my best at heart, and He does have a plan of restoration. Hey guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. But the word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you see, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. And you can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.